Kia ora, I'm Damien Venuto, it's October 3rd and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Crime in Aotearoa has dominated our political debate in the lead-up to this election. Every party has a view on what should be done about law and order, but these views don't always line up with what experts have to say. NZ Herald's senior politics writer Derek Chang has taken a close look at the crime policies of all the major parties and spoken to leading experts who argue that what we need to see is transformational change in the justice system. Derek joins the front page now to compare the policies from the main parties and offer a view on whether anyone is putting forward a plan that is more than political posturing. Derek, firstly, where would you rank crime and law and order when it comes to the big election issues this time around? Well, it's consistently ranked really high, basically right behind the cost of living. But it also depends on where you live. Like the most recent poll at Auckland Central, where law and order was way above cost of living. So I guess in those central city urban areas, particularly Auckland Central, which has really rich and really poor areas, in really poor areas, crime is more prevalent. Also in really rich areas, people might feel like they're at risk a lot more when in fact obviously poor neighbourhoods are where crime happens more often. So there's just the perception of it. And those rich neighbourhoods I'm guessing aren't as worried about the cost of living as poorer neighbourhoods either. Exactly, yeah. So earlier this year we spoke to Greg Newbold, Emeritus Professor of Criminology from Canterbury University, who referred to how regularly this worry about crime comes up in elections. So is this just one of those age-old political problems that doesn't change much from year to year, or is it a particularly strong talking point this time around? It is a really strong talking point this year. I don't remember it being much of an issue last election. Of course, the circumstances were totally different. We were still really in the middle of a pandemic. Crime levels were still falling at that time, which is with the tail end of a sort of 15-year period where crime levels had continued to fall quite sharply. So, yes, it is an age-old thing where politicians feel that they can get votes in the law and order space, Maybe 2020 was a bit of an outlier in that regard, but it's definitely come to the fore in this election. Let's go through what the different parties are saying, because everyone seems to have a view on what should be done about crime. National and Labour are the biggest parties, so where do they stand on crime? National has gone really hard on crime this election, and really the political divide is over how punitive the system needs to be. There is a lot of similarities with National Act and even New Zealand First in this regard a lot of gang-focused policies as well. And Labour, kind of late to the party, realised that they were probably hemorrhaging votes in this respect and late in the picture announced a bunch of really punitive policies, including, for example, making ram raiding a new offence, which would be applicable to 12- and 13-year-olds, which is a violation of the Bill of Rights Act, as the Attorney General said in his Section 7 vetting of that bill. And Labour also came in with a whole bunch of gang-specific policies as well. So, I mean, National has a bunch of things they want to make being in a gang an aggravating factor of sentencing, which it arguably already is. They want to ban gang patches in public places. It's already banned in spaces like hospitals, for example. Both National and Act want to bring back the three strikes law. And they also want to limit how much a judge can discount sentences and put more restrictions on the use of non-custodial sentences. 
And that's really a response to very high-profile crimes like the Matu Reed shooting when he was on home detention and the general public outrage at that, rightly so, was that why was he not behind bars? Labour also wants to have a whole bunch of things targeting gangs, but their policy there is kind of vague. They want to like put a lot of restrictions on what gang leaders can do, but they haven't really outlined how they would go about that. And obviously there will be human rights repercussions around that. Not that that is a barrier in particular to a government passing laws. The plan to process 12 and 13-year-olds in the youth court breaches the right of a child. Taking bodily samples from 12 and 13-year-olds breaches the right to be secure against unreasonable search and seizure. Outside Parliament, a hikoi arrived urging MPs not to disregard the rights of children. But that's wishful thinking given the opposition are happy with it. It's always a balance, but we support the bill. Is there a bit of a tussle within Labour at the moment, given that historically they focused quite strongly on rehabilitation and now they're shifting to a more punitive approach? Well, it's an interesting question because, I mean, Labour had all these independent reviews. They had the Justice Summit when they came in in 2017, and they haven't really acted on any of the recommendations from those reports. So there is a view that they haven't really done enough in that space. Labour's already basically tried to have uh, Bob each way all the time, where they've said, look, we're tackling the drivers of crime, we're trying to rehabilitate those who can be rehabilitated, but we're also really tough on people who are a danger to public safety. I mean, in a nutshell, all parties say all of those things, but they draw the line in a different way as to where people should be behind bars when they're not a threat to public safety. The cohort of those who should be behind bars is bigger or smaller, depending on which party you're coming from. So ACT and the Greens seem to house the biggest policy ideas for this election, and they could also be the most influential. What are they proposing when it comes to crime? ACT has a whole series, like their law and order policies are probably the most comprehensive among any party, and they're really punitive. Like they want to take 17-year-olds and put them back into the adult criminal justice jurisdiction, which ACT actually supported bringing them back into the youth court jurisdiction under the previous national-led government. David Seymour voted in favour of that. And the rationale behind that, which is used in other countries overseas, is that when you're that young, you're not really across what you're doing and the consequences of that. And the youth court has far less punitive ways to address offending and a lot more options in terms of trying to divert someone away from the criminal justice pipeline. ACT also have staged a lot of photo ops with dairy owners. They want to make an aggravating factor at sentencing a crime taking place in a workplace to try and protect dairy owners. You know, they're really strong on deterrence, even though most research shows that deterrence only really works with white-collar crime and fraud, for example, where people think that there might be more of a chance that they might get caught and then are deterred from doing that. And what about the Greens? The Greens are really aligned with Te Pāti Māori as well. They want to bring a much more tikanga approach to justice. It's very clear that there are systemic inequities and lots of independent reports have said Māori in particular are much more likely to be handcuffed, pepper sprayed, charged, imprisoned. Māori make up a far greater disproportionate part of the prison population. They're over-policed generally. So they want to bring more by Māori, for Māori approaches, which is actually not something that National is opposed to. You heard Christopher Luxon in the first leaders debate to bizarrely claim that, that National invented by Māori, for Māori, which he later corrected himself, obviously. So I think there's actually quite a lot of possibility here for cross-party support. 
among everyone in terms of more by Māori for Māori, centrally supported but locally delivered multi-agency support programs for those cohorts of people who can be helped. Because over the longer term, if we just throw them in prison and they're not rehabilitated, they're going to come out and they'll reoffend. Reoffending rates have been falling under labour, but they're still really high. So the whole rehabilitative mindset is that if you can put someone back on the straight and narrow, over the longer term, there'll be less costs to society and less costs to them. Finally, let's get on to NZ First and Te Pāti Māori. They could potentially swing the balance in this election. So where do they stand on these issues? New Zealand First has a very gang-focused law and order platform um, and, you know, they want to have a gang-only prison. Gang members, I think, are generally isolated within prisons anyway, but, you know, they want to make being a gang member an aggravating factor at sentencing, which National Act also support and which Labour arguably says is in place already. And they talk tough on gangs. They generally want a more punitive system alongside Act and National. So in terms of, like, the three-headed coalition or governing arrangement there, law and order is probably the space where they will find most agreement. Te Pāti Māori is largely aligned with the Green Party in terms of trying to bring a far more tikanga approach. It's not only that, you know, they also are very aware about the lack of trust among Māori communities towards police. They have other policies like having body cams on police officers, you know, and basic te ao Māori views mandatory among the police as well, with a view of trying to reduce those inequitable outcomes that are very apparent and very real. If you're enjoying this episode of The Front Page, make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And for more crime and justice news, analysis and podcasts, head to nzherald.co.nz. Derek, we're seeing so much about crime in the media at the moment, but like a gaping hole in this narrative is any reference whatsoever to white-collar crime. So are any of the parties proposing any changes to rules? That hasn't really been a focus in any of the party policies that I've seen. And it's interesting because the latest New Zealand Crime and Victims Survey, which is arguably the most comprehensive crime survey we have because it includes unreported crime, if we look at Ministry of Justice or police statistics, it's basically looking at recorded and reported crime. And 80-odd percent of crime is unreported. So the survey said that in 2022, the biggest increase in crime came from fraud and cybercrime. And that was not just in terms of crime incidents, but in per capita crime. So that is clearly the main area of crime where it is actually rising. But there is kind of a deafening silence about that from all parties involved. The scale of the losses that people suffer from those types of crimes are enormous, often much larger than you would suffer from a ram raid or anything like that. So, I mean, how worrying is it that our politicians aren't talking about policing that better? It should be on, on their radar, absolutely. But, you know, it's not a vote winner. So, so they don't talk about it. You know what's a vote winner? Soft on crime, tough on crime. That's a vote winner. But these are really popular, simple slogans designed to, you know, attract the attention of someone who maybe just tune into what's happening on the campaign for 10 seconds a day or whatever. You know, people respond to that. And that's, that's politics. I mean, 
someone like you must find that mildly frustrating. You wrote recently in a separate analysis that there have been three decades worth of reports showing how our criminal justice system is failing everyone, from perpetrators to victims, and that transformational change is needed. Can you expand a little bit on that argument and why exactly our leaders are avoiding that change in favour of populist decisions? Well, the most recent report in that long line of reports spanning decades was Turiki Turiki, and that was from the Safe and Effective Justice Group, which was chaired by the late Chester Burroughs, former National MP. And he lamented the fact that such reports just gather dust, and he feared that his report would be the same. And that basically said, as the other reports have said, that society is being failed, victims are being failed, offenders and communities are being failed because people aren't rehabilitated, victims are ignored, their voices aren't heard. And that has been the status quo for decades. The problem with that is that fixing that is a really complex web of things because lots of things contribute to crime. There's social deprivation, there's lack of education, there's intergenerational trauma and family violence. But, you know, packaging that into a political slogan is not particularly easy. And in fact, when I was speaking with Chester when he was still alive a couple of years ago, he said to me, soon enough, there's going to be another election and no one's going to want to talk about change. And here we are right before an election and no one is really talking about the kind of change as comprehensively as these reports said was needed. And we just get back to slogans again, because like I said, that is the easiest way to get votes. And that is what drives politicians. The total number of crimes reported to the police has increased by 33% since Labour took power. And a lot of that appears to have arisen from the introduction of a system called Aura, which enables, which is basically an intelligence platform for retail outlets to report more data on who's shoplifting and that sort of thing. And so a whole bunch of crimes that the police say were previously not reported, usually shoplifting for sort of less than $500, are now able to be automatically reported to the police. What are some of the stats that you've seen on the prevalence of crime in the community right now? Well, the way to measure crime, there is no exact method, obviously, and there are several different measures. So we have police statistics, we have Ministry of Justice statistics, we have the New Zealand Crime and Victims Survey, which includes unreported crime, and then we just have anecdotal stuff as well. Generally, the level of crime has been largely static, or it has been coming down since sort of like the late era of the Helen Clark years through the John Key years been coming down a lot as police and the courts have used far more alternative measures and less punitive measures. And that's come through. There's been some academic research about how alternative measures in the youth court has seen to less contact with the justice pipeline as those young people got older, for example. So the latest stats that came out of the Ministry of Justice was that there's been a 10% increase in the number of people convicted of serious crimes in the year to June, 10% increase in the number of people convicted of violent crimes as well, and a 15% increase in the number of people charged in youth court. This is also kind of aligned with police stats as well, that there's been an uptick in recorded crime, youth and serious and violent crime in the last couple of years following that really long trending decline for over a decade. Now, there are some caveats with that. The increase in violent crime, there have been new offences to do with family violence, so you would expect an uptick in recorded crime in that area. Also, it's much easier to report retail crime as well with a new police service, so that also kind of aligns with an increase in theft and retail crime. 
overall, the trends in crime are that there is a lot more criminal acts and per capita crime has been largely the same over the last years, but there are a lot more criminal acts and it tends to be on the same victims. So the same number of victims experiencing far greater volumes of crime. That really speaks to areas like family violence, domestic violence, and that, as we know, has long been an issue in New Zealand and continues to be. Is it worrying that so many of our politicians seem fixated on those very visible public crimes rather than these that are happening within the home? I think that family violence is on every politician's radar, but it's just under the surface when it comes to the campaign. The highly visible crime is what makes the headlines, the ram raids, the heartbreaking court sagas, you know, and crime affects people. The damage is very real. Politicians tend to respond to what is most visible. That is really what is on their radar. So, you know, politics is also about what sells, and that's why it's so easy to say a slogan rather than get into all the different complex web of factors that contribute to crime. And it's not that those parties don't have plans to tackle the drivers of crime. Labour has had very successful programs with youth offending, wraparound sort of support services. National wants to bring back social investment, which use statistics to try and reach society's most neglected. There have been several independent reports that have talked about the need for early intervention and how the state has failed in that regard. They have visibility on society's most neglected because they come into contact with the state, with Oranga Tamariki, with education, with police, with housing, with welfare, all the time. And multiple reports have basically said every time they come into contact with any agencies, these are opportunities to reach these families with proper wraparound support, and that does not happen. Or if it does happen, it happens far too late in the piece. So, you know, I think there's really some potential here for cross-party support where they can all agree that that needs to happen. There's been an Auditor-General report talking about how these programs aren't really funded properly, and these programs need to be well-funded and well-resourced for them to happen. Just when it's in an election campaign, it's far easier to get up on a hill and point and shout than to get down into the trenches with your opponent and say, hey, what can we all do better? That's just not really how a campaign works. Derek, having looked at the crime policies of all the different political parties and having reported on the issue of crime for much of your career, how important do you think this issue will be when it comes to determining the next government of New Zealand? Well, like I said, law and order has been a really prominent issue, this election behind the cost of living and even in some areas more important than the cost of living. People are talking about crime, being out on the campaign trail with the leaders. People do care about law and order. The parties know that, which is why they're talking about it a lot. It will be, or it is, a major issue this election, and and it will shape the next government, whoever that happens to be. The problem that's been identified from all those reports across all those decades is that if there's no appetite for change, for transformational change, then we just get the status quo. And all of those reports, you know, really emphasise that the status quo is broken. It doesn't serve anyone well. And without any kind of substantial, meaningful change... That's all we're going to have, and we'll just keep limping along with what we've got. Thanks for joining us, Derek. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and edited by Paddy Fox with executive producer Ethan Sills. 
I'm Damien Venuto. Subscribe to the front page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Then tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.